0: This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska.
1: You are listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Ass with Joe and Matt.
0: Welcome to episode 15 of the Two-Headed Nerd, where we're talking comics and news for the week of Wednesday, April we 20th. We're still working on fame. It's coming? Okay, it's coming. My name is Matt Baum, and when I'm not taking long, slow rips off my bong and wishing Ziggy Marley would team up with Jim Mafood and Joe Casey to give us a weed-powered superhero, (laughs) I'm writing about and appraising comics for WorkPoint.com.
1: And I'm Joe Patrick, manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. And when I'm not worrying about my co-host's drug and alcohol intake, I'm encouraging it by once again not returning his phone calls all week and leading him down a dark, paranoid path. That ends with The Joe Patrick Show, starring me, Joe. The artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online.
0: He thinks it's funny, but it hurts. This week, you'll hear reviews <laughs> of Super Dinosaur, number one, from Image, and Oni Press's Sixth Gun, number 11. We'll reach out the window of our time-travel DeLorean to smack you on the us during the lightning round, him and haw about next week's comics, and kick sand in the face of any punk that tries to stump us during Ask a Nerd. But before we pass the duchy on the left-hand side, <laughs> let's slide over the hood of the royal wedding motorcade Beau Duke style and check out this week's Big News. <laughs>
1: If fear itself and vengeance aren't enough for Marvel junkies, this summer they can add the Iron Age to their event piles. This week, Rob Williams, writer of Class War for Com X and the new writer of Doc and Dark Wolvie, signed an exclusive deal with Marvel and gave us details of the upcoming Iron Man mini-event called the Iron Age. According to Williams, the story kicks off with a dying scientist who was fired by Tony Stark many years ago, who's... Quote, managed over the years to assemble different parts of Dr. Doom's time machine, so he uses this time machine to bring the Dark Phoenix to effectively destroy the planet Earth.
0: It's really mad about getting fired. About He's
1: it. really upset. Tony Stark I- escapes through the time machine, and the story from there is Tony going through time to get different parts of this time machine. That's the MacGuffin and his drive to eventually get back to save things.
0: William said he was inspired by the NFL's use of throwback jerseys and wanted to write a story revisiting Marvel heroes that had a distinctively different look in the past. And yes, Disco Dazzler's in there. Sweet. The story starts in June with the Iron Age Alpha and continues in several one-shots featuring different characters and teams from Marvel's past, and then ends in Iron Age Omega in August. Iron Age number one includes Christos Gage and Lee Weeks on Avengers with issue two featuring Jen Van Meter and Nick Trigoda on Power Man and Iron Fist as well as Elliot Kalan and Ron Friends on Fantastic Four with a focus on the Young Human Torch. And finally, issue three also features Louise Simonson and Todd Nauck on Dazzler. Joe, are you excited for the return of the shiny roller skates?
1: Yes! <laughs> uh, I'm more excited about the return of the TR. and The yellow shirt.
0: Yeah, jive-talking Power Man. Oh, yeah, sweet Christmas. I love this. I think this is a ton of fun because they're... I mean, superhero costumes are the reasons we love superheroes, and there's been so many great ones through the past. This is yeah. a really fun excuse to time travel just to bring those costumes back.
1: Yeah, you know, and it just sounds like a fun time, you know. Uh, Marvel is promoting it as though it's some sort of big event, but really it's just going to be a fun romp through Marvel's history. I seriously doubt it's going to have huge ramifications. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, I doubt it. You know, the the idea of of modern-day Tony going back and interacti- interacting with uh Maybe like Demon in a Bottle era Tony or... Uh, it sounds
0: like James Rhodes will be in the Iron Man suit when he goes back to deal with the Avengers because of drunk Tony Yeah, in the first one. That just sounds really fun. That's super fun. That's what they should have done with the Cable series where he was time traveling instead of jumping further and further and further into the future. He had to
1: protect the future.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: At last week's Albany Comic Con, writer Ron Mars of Green Lantern and Silver Surfer fame and penciler Lee Motor revealed details of their upcoming Shinku series at Image. Shinku is the story of a lone descendant of a samurai clan who is at war with a vampire samurai clan. Always with the vampires. Vampires. Always. Why has it always got to be vampires? Uh, Set in modern-day Japan, the two creators went on to discuss the state of the comic business today and had some really interesting insight. Ron Mars is quoted as saying, In the 80s, the traditional method was that you broke in at Marvel or DC and you built your name up, so that you could uh, end up getting enough cachet to your name that you could do a creator-owned book and sell it on the strength of that name, Hellboy, Next Men American Flag. Now it works the opposite way. You go through Image, a back-end deal, and you collect the profits at the end if there are any. I think
0: he's absolutely right. It, it's completely backwards from the way it used to be, but it, I think it's a symptom of comic sales. I mean, the same way that, like, independent music went through a phase in the 90s, where any indie band who sold X amount of records instantly got scooped up and thrown to a major label. That's sort of what's going on in comics now. They've taken a roundabout way to get there. But yeah, I mean, if you look at Matt Fraction, Jonathan Hickman, Nick Spencer, all these guys had a successful book at Image, and boom, they're writing for Marvel of DC. I mean, Image... Exclusive deals. Exclusive deals, yeah. yeah. Like, Image has become a farm team for the two big guys now.
1: Well... I, I think that it's a symptom of a of a lot of different factors. You've got the idea that it's really hard to make money in independent comics. Yeah. Especially when you've got so many people taking pieces of the of the pie. You've got image taking a cut and you've got diamond taking a huge cut. Yeah. And the retailers make a cut. And then you've got to divvy up what's left between you, your penciler, your inker, you
0: know, whatever. There's so many ties between this and independent music. It's it's absolutely similar.
1: Yeah. Uh, and that's not a slam against Image. I mean, Image is really well at uh, it does a really good job at you know giving young creators a shot.
0: Yeah, it seems any more like Eric Larson is so excited about working with new creative talent that if you've got a good premise and you can write some good dialogue, he'll give you a shot at Image Comics.
1: Yeah, and you know these these up and coming creators, once they get at the attention of one of the big guys like Marvel or DC, it's hard to turn that away, especially when they're dangling these contracts in front of them that promise, you know, health benefits and a steady
0: paycheck. Well, and they're not even a lot of money either. It's just a lot more than they're making working on the creator. And it's job
1: security. So yeah, yeah, it it is kind of backwards. But, you know, it's the times we live in. It's just an interesting discussion.
0: So if you see one of your local independent comic creators walking around, do him a favor and give him 20 bucks. In Hollywood news, guess who has four thumbs and was way off on who Joseph Gordon-Levitt would be playing in The Dark Knight Rises. It's not Dick Grayson, and it's certainly not Asriel. Deadline.com was reporting that Levitt will be playing John Blake, a Gotham City beat cop assigned to a special duty under Commissioner Gordon. They also reported that Marion Cotillard will be playing Miranda Tate, a Wayne Enterprises board member eager to help a still-grieving Bruce Wayne continue his father's philanthropic word. See, you were supposed to read this and say, I told you it wasn't Jean Paul Valley.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, the, wait a minute, the... A still grieving Bruce Wayne, does that mean she's in the flashbacks? I'm guessing he's grieving over
0: the loss of uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's character. Oh, maybe. But it can't still be like he's still upset about mom and dad. Well,
1: that's why I think it might be a flashback because it says, you know, she's a board member wanting to help a still grieving Bruce Wayne continue his father's work.
0: Well, I mean, he's been doing philanthropic work and whatnot. I mean,
1: My gut tells me that this is a dodge. It all sounds, I, sounds I like total BS. And I want it to BS. be a dodge because uh, John, like these characters are basically made up.
0: Yeah, they're nobody. Uh, they're
1: not existing characters. This
0: sounds like BS.
1: And, you know, I'm still holding out hope that there's a twist coming and that John Blake, alias John Blake, is actually some other character. Right. Uh, and that Christopher Nolan is just trying to throw us a red herring. We'll see. I mean— comic nerds are constantly looking into things where nothing exists (laughs) so
0: it's true but i mean hey they're still casting people for green lantern that movie comes out in like 15 minutes so (laughs) who knows what kind of changes they could make before they're done with the dark knight rises That's the big news for this week. If you want to discuss these stories or one that we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page, where Joe and I have posted an extensive expose on why Kate Middleton is not only not the people's princess, but how the whole royal wedding is stupid, and subsequently, we could both kick the crap out of Prince William.
1: I am not contributing to that. My fiancé is totally into the royal wedding. Yeah,
0: my wife loves it, too. It's the dumbest thing in the world.
1: I'm abstaining from this rant.
0: I'm allergic to
1: royalty. (laughs) All right. It's review time again. Specifically British royalty. (laughs) Let's talk about some comics that came out last Wednesday. 420, y'all.
0: I read Super Dinosaur number one from Image Comics by Robert Kirkman and Jason Howard. Howard was uh, on the Colors and Art on this one. And uh. Super Dinosaur is the story of Derek Dynamo, son of Dr. Dynamo and best friend of super enhanced talking Tyrannosaurus, Super Dinosaur. <laughs> He is a uh, a dinosaur that wears armor with a big gun and missile launchers on it. And perhaps the creepiest part is his little Tyrannosaurus Rex arms are holding what kind of looks like a giant Xbox controller that control two big robot arms. I
1: think it's his like on his belt.
0: Yeah, maybe it is. It appears to be on his belt. On but the cover, still- it kind of looks like he's fiddling with something on his crotch. But anyway... <laughs>
1: All ages. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Derek and Super Dinosaur are busy fighting off a wave of other Super Dinosaurs who come from the center of the Earth. It's a very classic premise, a very journey to the yes. center of the Earth type thing. There is an ore, like a, a rock, basically, that they're fighting over called Dinor by his dad. And what was it, Max?
1: Max Maximus?
0: Max Maximus, the villain who worked with his dad, has a different name for it. Uh, Maxor? Yeah, and they were both named. <laughs> but I the thought Lord. that was pretty funny how they were
1: yeah, they had both named arguing the over things. the name of the element that they discovered.
0: But there's a group of other intelligent evil dinosaurs with names like Tricera Chops. <laughs> Which and is great. She has a big axe. There was also Brachiosaurus, who is like a big strong guy, and Pterodactyl. <laughs> but uh, Derek is basically... Reminds me of a Ben 10 Generator Rex type character. He's like a
1: boy genius, yeah, and he... he like invents his own weapons, and his dad lets him run into danger.
0: <laughs> More or less. He wears these sort of gauntlet gloves things that shoot just about anything he needs. Yeah, Little bombs, bombs. grappling hooks. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. And he swings into action with a robot that he created, Wheels. Yes, who's sort of part vehicle, part friend, I guess. And they fight giant talking dinosaurs. Upon initially reading this, I didn't love it. I it, It's kind of ridiculous. It's very kiddy. This is absolutely geared towards, I would say, 10 to 13 year old boys. Absolutely. It reminds me of the old cartoons I used to watch in the 80s. Not so much like Transformers and G.I. Joe, but the ones that were like.
1: Which were not designed to sell toys at all.
0: Well, no, but I mean, like, I'm <clears> talking <throat> like the one trick pony show, you know, where like <laughs> everybody has a specific power and we all have different names based on that power. Sure. You know, like, like Mask. Visionaries, Mask. Yes. Uh, which I love. Centurions, you know, oh, like yeah. Power Extreme. This is very much in that vein, where we have a bunch of super dinosaurs with weapons and cheesy names. And we've got 10-year-old kid who's sent to fight the super dinosaurs with, like, the full backing of the U.S. military. <laughs> yeah. It's, like- and it's super cheese. It really is.
1: Child endangerment
0: laws. What's that? Now, that said, I think I was looking at it wrong. I was coming into this not expecting it to be a kid's book, first of all. I, at the very last minute, I saw on a solicitation that it was kid-friendly. And you didn't I didn't know. I honestly didn't know. You don't know what you're getting with Kirkman. I mean, you've got The Walking Dead on one end of the spectrum <laughs> where babies get murdered and then oh, you have man. Super Dinosaur. <laughs> well this
1: was this was promoted from the start as an all ages action adventure book.
0: Right. I just didn't pay attention to the fact that it like all ages can mean a lot of things. But I, I will say
1: I was like waiting for buckets of red. Because I'm yeah. so used to seeing that, especially from <laughs> Jason Howard, yeah, blood who drew the Wolfman blood. comic. I knew, I knew in my mind that it was all ages, but that art style put me right back to Wolfman. And, I think that's
0: what it did for me too. I think because yeah. I, I went into it knowing. I mean, the premise is a ten year old kid. And his super dinosaur friend. The title is called Super Dinosaur. It's great. You know, I mean, how violent can it really be? It's right be? on the nose. But I we all thought that about Invincible too, with like the first five or six issues, and then all oh, of a sudden it was like, Whoa. Yeah. This is horrifying. So issue twelve, <laughs> expect Super Dinosaur to bite the head off of Derek Dynamo. <laughs> but I was looking at it wrong and I had I had to stand back and say, Okay, this isn't a book necessarily for me. This really is geared towards kids. And if I was a ten to thirteen year old boy this would be right up my alley. If this oh, yeah. was me back in the day going up to Osco Drug to buy my comics and Super Dinosaur was there,
1: I would be all over this. Absolutely. Like all that stuff in the 80s that you described, Transformers, G.I. Joe, uh, Silverhawks, Thundercats, that stuff may have been designed to sell toys, but I loved it and I didn't care.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely there. He, he remembers Saturday morning cartoons. This has a fun slam bang Saturday morning cartoon feel to it. Definitely. It feels like they're trying to sell me toys. I think the main character said awesome at least 35 times. <laughs> yeah. it, it really is a fun and cute book. It's not one that I'm going to be reading monthly, but if there is, a, like I said, a 10 to 13-year-old comic nerd in your life, throw Super Dinosaur at him. I give this a buy-it, If, like I said. If you know a 10 to 13-year-old dude who wants comics, this would be a good place to get him started.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I'm a little bit different than you in that I have an appreciation for kids' comics, because you're what an adult that, child. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that says something about me and my emotional development. But like, I love books like Tiny Titans and um, uh, Young Justice. The new Young Justice book is great from DC. So I, I can appreciate. I have an appreciation for those books, even though I'm a grown man. Not me,
0: man. I need books like marijuana, man, <laughs> that appeal to me.
1: But I, I loved this comic. Uh, I do think it was a little too much on the. Isn't that totally awesome? I'm awesome. I build awesome toys with my awesome dinosaur. Awesome. Yeah, you know, and like ten year old kids talk like that. It's true. Uh, that's so, why you know, I hate them. You know? There's a there's a line, and he danced close to the line where it be oh, a, a little, a couple more steps, and it would have become annoying. But I enjoyed it, and I I think this is a book that's going to be great fun. I actually know a seven year old boy I used to give art lessons to, Maxwell. Maxwell, if you're listening. Don't read anything we suggest. And disregard all the drug usage. <laughs> <talk. We're kidding. laughs> Except well. for Super Dinosaur number one. This is a great book. Put it in the hands of a kid. I give it a buy it.
0: Joe, what kiddie book did you read this week?
1: <laughs> uh, my pick of the week was The Sixth Gun number 11 from Oni Press.
0: Nothing kiddie about that one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, written by Cullen Bunn with art by Brian Hurt. Drake Sinclair, Becky Montcrief, and Gord Cantrell are struggling to fend off an all-out assault from the legion of creatures controlled by Marinette of the Dry Arms. Marinette will stop at nothing to steal the set of cursed revolvers known as the Six from Drake and the others. But unbeknownst to Marinette, the guns have already been stolen by the charming gunfighter Kirby Hale. Oh. I know. So... The Sixth Gun. When this book was originally released, I thought it was just a six-issue miniseries. But when it continued on, I was so glad. Uh, So Cullen Bunn and Brian Hurt have kind of created this perfectly realized world. And it has a real sense of history and folklore. And the way the team adds in elements like, for example, there's an order of gun-toting priests. Yeah. You know, different, it's so cool. different kind of swamp spirits. You know with, what it is? Um, it's
0: Deadwood meets Hellboy. Yes, it's oh, it's uh, Hellboy in the Old West. It's so good.
1: But there's these, there are these different uh, kinds of uh, swamp spirits, like Marinette, and then there are others, and they give this book this kind of historical weight. Like stories about this world have been being told for years. This
0: creepy folktale kind of feel.
1: But the book is only about a year old. And so I think it's really impressive that they've got this much detail already in the surrounding world. Each character has a completely unique voice. Uh, There's the innocent Becky who is bit by bit kind of losing that innocence the longer she stays with Drake and connected to these guns.
0: Yeah, she did it with Kirby last issue. Yeah,
1: and there's the Batlash-esque Kirby, though he's more of a rogue than a, than a do-gooder. Well, we don't really know. Well, he's, I mean, maybe he's just trying to make a buck. Yeah, that makes him a rogue. <laughs> I guess. Like Han Solo. Sure, right. He's a nerf herder. Uh, even Bill John the Gollum is full of character, uh, and I find it amazing how Bun and Hurt can make me care about a shambling mudman <laughs> that yeah. can't even talk. There's a scene in the book where Bill John starts to break apart, and I got really upset <laughs> at the idea that Bill John might get destroyed because I don't – I like him so much. <laughs> I, it's, I know it sounds strange, well, but – he's
0: been with the book since – It's true. He, start, a while. he
1: started off as an actual person, a, a, a confederate of, of Drake. And now and he's like
0: a mud golem. One kind of the of gu-
1: one of the guns has the ability to raise the spirits of the dead as golems. But it's and, not just the dead.
0: It's isn't it? Um, it's like the spirits of the people that the gun killed.
1: That could be. Well, yeah. I, I you know what? I I don't actually recall. A- at any rate, Bill John was killed. Bill John the man was killed, and Drake used the power of the gun to raise him as a golem, so that his friend was still with him. And now he fights by their side as this kind of mindless beast, and I love it. It. It's so interesting and so well told. The artwork is really stunning. The book feels like it could belong in the Mignola Hellboy universe. I,
0: I think his art is a lot more cinematic, though, than what goes on in the Hellboy universe. Like, e- yes. Definitely. It, like, and cartoony, kind of cinematic. And it feels it's old l- west, old timey. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's less intense and moody. But uh, it, it's not quite as atmospheric as like Mignola. Art, you know the tone of the series, and the design of the characters, and the use of uh, folklore type monsters. Like, I don't know if any of this folklore stuff that they're using is real folklore.
0: I think it's borrowed from all kinds of stuff, or if they just
1: kind of invented it, but it feels genuine. If you are a fan of supernatural adventure, and even if westerns aren't necessarily your thing. You owe it to yourself to check this book out. It is amazing. I give it a strong buy it.
0: If you like BPRD, if you like Hellboy, if you like good, creepy comic fiction, the Sixth Gun is for you. And uh, the only thing that scares me is the more people that start to read this, the more of a chance that Marvel and DC swoops in and grabs this guy. And we never see the Sixth Gun again.
1: Yeah, well. (laughs)
0: Strong buy it from me, too, by the way. It's that time again, kids. Buckle yourselves in. Make sure your flux capacitor is fluxing and Mr. Fusion is full of trash. Because where we're going, we might not need roads. But when this sucker hits 88 miles an hour, you're going to see some serious shit in the lightning round. Wolverine number eight. The only thing I need less than Wolverine having a girlfriend is Wolverine's girlfriend putting on samurai armor and oh, going no into way. his brain to I fight demons. It.
1: Skim it. Buy it. I love all the Wolverine. Supergirl little...
0: number 63.
1: Let me tell you what I Interrupted.
0: hate. Interrupted. Combo Breaker. <laughs>
1: I hate stories that date themselves with like, it's like an app, but it's totally evil. Apps are cool, right? It's like maybe Stanley writes about yeah,
0: digital music devices. Maybe I'm being
1: mean, <laughs> but I just am not into it. I, I wish Nick Spencer had stayed on the book. I can't wait for Kelly Sue to come on and make it better. Leave
0: it. Ooh, he's yep. trying to skim it. Leave
1: it. Dark Horse Presents number one.
0: Seven ninety nine, kind of expensive for what we got here. It's a high quality book. I, I like the Paul Chadwick concrete thing. I didn't love a lot of the other stuff. The Neil Adams one was really weird. The Xerxes preview is like two splash pages and it doesn't look like Frank Miller's mm-hmm. best work. I gotta give this a skim it. I wish I liked it more. Invincible seventy nine.
1: Great issue, Mark's back on earth and he is just enjoying uh busting heads and reconnecting with his friends and family the big mystery of adam eve's pregnancy is revealed and it's quite a twist scandal yeah uh give it a bye suicide girls number one
0: i read suicide girls for the articles so the <laughs> uh, if there are an award for the most creative use of a licensed property based on a porn website it would have to go to suicide girls number one I can't believe where they went with the story with this. They really reached here. Still found a way to work in some boobs and, you know, bad tattoos and sad, vampy-looking emo chicks. Believe me. Wolverine and Jubilee number four.
1: Uh, you know this series overall, I enjoyed, but took it toward the end. It took a weird twist with some kind of strange, like interdimensional pawn shop kind of thing. I don't even know really, and I read it. I still enjoyed it. Beautiful Phil Noto art. I do not hate Jubilee like other people do. I give it a buy.
0: I hate the stupid raincoat. I just hate it. It's so dumb. Iron
1: Man 2.0, number That's four. That's how
0: Jim Lee designs costumes. <laughs> Iron Man
1: 2.0, number four.
0: <laughs> I love Rhodey. I love War Machine. I love Nick Spencer. Buy it. Legion of Superheroes, number 12.
1: Uh, I love the Legion of Superheroes. Like, more than <laughs> this almost is a anything. Qualification, folks. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think uh, Paul Levitz has done a great job coming back to the book after a long absence. He. he Hasn't lost quite as many steps as perhaps some other old creators. That said, this is not very new reader friendly. It's very dense. And it goes from one book to the other without any explanation or exposition. And it sucks. No, I like it, but you gotta skim it. I thought it sucked. Malignant Eat man it. number one.
0: Uh, you know what is sort of like a superpower? Cancer, apparently. When I read about what this book was about, I was just like, this sounds like it's
1: almost offensive. But then I read it, and it wasn't bad. It wasn't cancer. It was his weird experiment. It's like super cancer. Uh, Uh You know what? Created by the guy that created Saw. Yeah. I didn't know that until after I read it. (laughs) But uh, kind of a fun read. I I enjoyed it. Give it a buy it. Yeah. Avengers number 12. The conclusion of the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. I don't really buy that you can beat somebody that holds even a few of the Infinity Gems by punching them really hard. What if you punch them really hard? (laughs) (laughs) But, that said, I enjoyed it overall. The arc, though, I will be the first to defend John Romita Jr., but this looks rushed or unfinished. Unfinished is a better term. Uh, He looks better in other books with different inkers. You still gotta buy it. It's Bendis, it's the Avengers, it's fun.
0: Adoosh! That's your lightning round. My douche. I'm going for different comic book explosion sounds. Crack a doom! Now let's take a look at some of the comics we're excited about for next week, Wednesday, April.
1: Add 7 to 420. Matt. I can't do that. I'm high. April 27th. Joe, what are you excited for next week? You know what? Every comic book is coming out next week. There's a ton of stuff coming there out. There are next so week. many books. Uh, the finales to both Justice League Generation Lost and Brightest Day are coming next week. The next issue of Flash is v- coming out.
0: A very special Brightest Day episode next week, too.
1: That's right, exactly. X-Men, there's, the list is enormous, and it's really... I'm excited about so many things, but it's got to be Brightest Day. Brightest Day number 24? Yeah. Uh, the The finale of the year-long storyline, Swamp Thing versus Alec Holland, The Throwdown. Oof. And I am so excited to see how it ends. I was so mad that it didn't come out this week. Matt, what's got you squealing like a stuck pig? Action
0: Comics 900 by Paul Cornell and a host of other creators. No one writes Lex Luthor like Paul Cornell. This is the <laughs> best Lex Luthor I've ever read, and I love it. This yeah, one's got it's been a very good run. Sexy David Finch cover. It's got backup stories by Damon Lindelof. And, oh, man, it's going to be so fun.
1: Yeah, Gary Frank's coming back to do something.
0: Everybody's on Very here. excited. Rags Morales, Adrian Saif. All kinds of names that I can butcher. This is great.
1: And it's a milestone. I mean, number 900. That's a big deal.
0: Go out and find all the Paul Cornell action issues. They're available. It's so much fun. You will not regret it. This one's going to be a great thing.
1: Oh, and the first volume of the run just came out in hardcover. There you go. But it's labeled Superman, the Black Ring, Volume 1. Makes perfect sense. It's really easy for anyone to be like, I want to catch up on
0: action comics. How should I go get it? Oh, I know. I'll find Superman, the Black Ring, Volume (laughs) 1. Way to go, DC. Knocking it out of the park as usual.
1: Anyway, it's going to be great.
0: That music means it must be time for Ask a Nerd, (laughs) where you guys pick our brains on any comic-related subject that's been bopping around your noggin. This week's question comes from Steve and via Facebook. Steve wants to know, what's your guys' favorite real, not superhero, he put in parentheses, war comics?
1: That's a good question,
0: Steve. My knee-jerk reaction is Alien Legion, but we're trying to keep this grounded.
1: (laughs) Uh, I am a big fan of the Garth Ennis War Stories series that came out from Vertigo some years ago. It was a series of one-shots, and each issue dealt with a different like group or battalion. Uh, it's very similar to what he has going on currently through Dynamite with uh, the Battlefield series, and they're just really well-told ca- uh, character examinations of real people and how they deal with like being at war.
0: Really gritty, gritty stuff. Yes,
1: yes. Uh, and as a kid, I had some Sergeant Rock reprints, uh, some Joe Kubert. Uh, Sergeant Rock reprints and there was one that always stuck with me about um how the uh the Easy Company which is Sergeant Rock's crew came across a wounded German soldier it it was a a, it was a really good kind of look at how the Nazis are bad yeah but (laughs) are they it's both you know both sides were (laughs) like young you know just younger people trying to live in this kind of crazy world at war and they were treating each other like human beings instead of like animals and that just kind of stuck with me. I read that when I was a little kid. So
0: I've been revisiting some of Jack Kirby's Old War stuff recently, and it is so fun. His old, like, Losers stuff. It's all A lot of it's been reprinted in hardcover by DC recently, and really, really fun stuff. Kind of far out, but fun. <laughs> I am also going to go with the Garth Ennis story, Enemy Ace, which he did a little while ago with Chris Weston on art and uh, Russ Heath. Absolutely beautiful book, updating... The story of Hans von Hammer, who is like an Greatest old... Greatest name yeah, in comics. Silver Age, uh, German flying ace in World War One and World War Two. War in Heaven was just basically an updated enemy ace story, but it was gorgeous and really gritty, really cool stuff. Garth Ennis, in my opinion, probably one of the only guys out there right now doing really modern quality war modern war comics. So
1: yeah, those are some of our favorites, Steve. If you haven't checked out uh, anything Garth Ennis has put out in recent years, uh, War Stories... Through Vertigo or Battlefields through Dynamite.
0: Remember, babies, if you have an Ask a Nerd question, head over to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click our new Ask a Nerd link. And if you're challenging Joe's status as Grand Comic Bah, be sure to mark your email for Matt's Eyes Only. I have a trophy and
1: everything. Roll another-
0: That's it for the Two-Headed Nerd comic cast this week. If you can't get enough of me poking Joe with a stick and showing off my schizophrenic music tastes to accompany our... Semi informed opinions.
1: Mine are fully formed. You can Thank subscribe
0: you. to this podcast on iTunes, where your star ratings and reviews make us push back our nightly cry time for five whole minutes while we almost feel wanted.
1: <laughs> As always, you can find all things two headed and nerdy at twoheadednerd.com, where you can find our Twitter handles, links to our buddies' shows and blogs like our pals at the Burnt Wieners podcast. You can also submit your Ask a Nerd questions or beg for some required reading suggestions, and I think that'll be next week, right?
0: Next week. And if that's not enough for you, head over to our Facebook page where you can become fans of THN and answer the question of the week.
1: This week's query... What is your favorite throwback superhero look? I'm partial to the puffy shirt and tiara myself.
0: Yeah, that is a good one. I like the old box from Alpha Flight. (laughs) (laughs) The big bulky one. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Ryan Mount, who digs that we played Fear on the show and shares Joe's love of Godzilla versus Charles Barkley. Yes. Word to you, Ryan, a guy who knows that New York's all right if you like saxophones. And until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off.
1: Namaste.